That's a sweet presence. I hate to even interrupt and start talking. Uh, there's nothing like being in the presence of the Holy Spirit, is it? Um, I want you to pray for yourself right now before we get started. Holy Spirit, I give you full permission <laughs> to take control of my mind, my heart, my soul, and my body tonight. <laughs> I give you my mind. I ask that I would have the mind of Christ tonight, Lord God. I give you my tongue. I ask that we would speak words of life and not death. Holy Spirit, tune our ears to what you have to say. Father, I ask that you would take care of every heart right now that's in this room. I pray that you would take over our hands, Holy Spirit, that we would be your hands, that we would touch with the love of Jesus Christ. I pray, Father, that you would take over our digestive systems, that we would digest what you want us to hold on to, and, Father, we would eliminate what needs to be let go of in Jesus' name. I thank you, Father, that we give our knees to you, that we will bow to you and to you alone. Father, I ask that you can take control of our feet, that every step we take, we will take in the name of Jesus Christ and that we will conquer territory for you. Any spirit not of the Holy Spirit tonight, I say you are gone. You are banished from this room. And the Holy Spirit has free rule and reign in this house this night. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Whew. All right, y'all ready to get started? <laughs> y'all can... I'll come up closer if you want to. <laughs> I know we say that, but we have such a little small group, but we are mighty. Um, for the last couple of weeks, I have really been pondering some scriptures. And to tell you the truth, they've brought great comfort to me. Um, so we're just going to dive right into the Word tonight. If you will, turn with me to Psalms 139. And we're going to start in verse 13. And this is David, and he's talking to God. And he says, For you created me in my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. And all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Do you see what David is saying? That all of our days were written in a book in heaven before one of our days ever came to be. God has ordained our whole life and it's written in a book in heaven. Does that amaze you? like it does me. Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for good and not for harm, plans for a hope and a future. So these plans that God has written in this book are for good. They're not for harm. And you say, well, that, that's good, that, but that's all Old Testament. So let's turn over and see if we can find that in the New Testament. Go with me to Ephesians 2, verse 10. Ephesians 2, 
And this is Paul speaking. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. See, all of these plans that God has for us, He's planned them in advance for us to do. We're going to do a lot of flipping tonight. Turn over to Acts 17. I think I have these scriptures written in your notes, so if you don't get to flip to them, I want you to go back to them this week. Acts 17, starting in verse 24. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth, and he does not live in temples built with hands. Why doesn't he live in temples built with hands? What have we learned in here? We, our bodies are his temple. And we are not created by the hand of man. We are created by God. Verse 25. And he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything because he himself gives men, all men, life and breath and everything else. God gives us life and breath and everything we need to live. From one man, God made every nation of men that they should inhabit the whole earth, and he determined the times set for them and the exact place that they should live. Now, this is a new revelation for me. God determined the times that each person that has ever been created would live. That word times, I looked that up in the Greek, and that's the word for kairos. And that means a particular or a general time, a right time, an opportune time, or a proper time. So what does that tell us? God put us, each person, you and I, here at a particular time in history. And then it goes on to say, and he put us in the exact place where we should live. So you are not here by mistake, no matter what the devil tries to tell you. God has a plan and a purpose for your life that nobody else in this whole world can accomplish. Nobody. And I'm not here to to say that I believe in all predestination, but I think that God has a blueprint for your life that is written in heaven, and you have a choice. Am I going to follow that blueprint, or am I going to follow my flesh? But that plan has already been made. It has been established before you were born. Um, so if you're like me, I'm thinking, okay, well, God's got this great big plan for my life, but how's he going to let me in on it? That's where the dilemma comes from, right? And I feel like the answer to that is in the tabernacle of David. See, the tabernacle of David is an intimate time where we worship, where we are in God's presence daily. Or really, we ought to be in his presence minute by minute. The word says that we can do nothing apart from him. So if every minute by minute we are not in his presence, whatever work we're doing at that time is nothing, absolutely nothing. Um, do y'all remember the elements 
that are in the tabernacle of David. They were petitioned. As we go into his presence, we're to petition him. Tell him the things that are on our heart. Ask him for the things that we need. Praise him was the second one. You're to tell him how great he is. You are wonderful. You are holy. You are worthy. You know, I got to thinking about this. There's a lot of mamas in here. When your children tell you how great you are, how does that make you feel? Does it make you feel good? God's our daddy. He just wants us to worship and adore him and praise him. Thanks. Just telling him thank you for the things that he has given us. There were instruments and singing and worship in the tabernacle of David. And many times when they would talk about being in the presence of God, they would say they bowed face down in worship. I want you to picture somebody bowing face down in worship. What would you notice about that? Their head would be lower than their heart. You know, if all we've got is head knowledge, that's just religion. You've got to fill your heart up with the passion of Jesus Christ. Our heart has got to be above our head in this relationship, in this intimate relationship with Jesus. I want us to turn first to Psalm 63. And as we read this, I want you to ask yourself, could I have written this to God the Father? This is David talking, and he, he is talking to his heavenly Father. Oh God, you are my God, and I earnestly seek you. My soul thirsts for you, and my body longs for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. Can you say that? Are you thirsty for God? I have seen you in the sanctuary and I have beheld your power and your glory. See, David was saying, I've been in the holy of holies and I've seen your power and I've seen your glory acting on my behalf. Because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. And in verse 6, he says, On my bed, I remember you. I think of you through the watches of the night. Because you are my help, I sing to you in the shadow of your wings. My soul clings to you. Your right hand upholds me. If you wake up in the middle of the night, what do you do? Is your first thought, are you focusing on God or are you turning over in your mind over and over and over again your problems? David says, I was in the shadow of your wings do y'all remember this? This is the Ark of the Covenant, and the angels overshadowed it. And what was right here? The presence of God. And this top was called the mercy seat. What David was saying, in the middle of the night, I climb on your mercy seat, God, and you cover me in the shadow of your wings. And that's the place. That's my stronghold. That's where I take comfort. He climbed up on that mercy seat. Verse 11, but the king will rejoice in God. Who's the king? David is the king in this scripture. 
Can you put your name in there? But Lana will rejoice in God. All who swear by God's name will praise him, while the mouths of liars will be silenced. Do you hear God, David's heart for the Father in this? He loved him with an everlasting love. Um, I want to read you a quote that I found yesterday. And have y'all ever heard of the author Dutch Sheets? Well, he's um, one of my favorite authors, and he goes around speaking. But anyway, this was something that he said, and I want you to see if this resonates with your spirit. I called myself a Christian for 17 years before I dis discovered I could have a truly personal relationship with God. Prior to this, I certainly knew him as God. And I definitely knew him as Savior. I did not, however, know him as my father. And walking with him as a friend wasn't even in my field of view. I'm not a hypocrite. I simply did not know how to connect with God personally and at any real depth. Satan and his team, with lots of help from religion, had painted God as a very distant and non-relational being. And you know, if I was honest with myself, that was me until I was about 40 years old. I really didn't know that you could have a personal relationship with the God of the universe. I, I was baptized when I was 15 years old. But I just went to church and I went through the religious motions. And it was so freeing when I learned that the God of the universe wanted a personal relationship with me. That I could talk to him and he could be involved in my daily decision making. That was revolutionary. I want us to go through some psalms, and we're just going to kind of look at what David's heart was. You know, the Word says that David was a man after God's own heart. And if you look at the psalms, if you really think about it, it's kind of like reading David's journal. He was just writing out a love letter to God or his thoughts or his complaints. Whatever he had, he just wrote it out and he sang it to the Lord. So let's start in Psalms 64, if you will, just go there with me. Hear me, O God, as I voice my complaint. Protect my life from the threat of the enemy. See, David had a close relationship with God, and he said he could even voice his complaint to him. He wasn't a distant God. He was one that he could talk to. And if you think about this time, as David was writing these psalms, it was during the time that Saul was trying to kill him. Then his son Absalom, his very own son, he was hiding in caves because his son was trying to kill him. Some of the times he was writing these scriptures, he had just had an affair with Bathsheba, and he was guilt-ridden and brokenhearted. There were other times that these psalms were greatly victorious. He had just come in from a huge defeat. So we're going to see the highs and the lows of David's heart through the Psalms. Psalms 65.
praise awaits you, O God in Zion. Now this is where he starts to praise God. Remember that was one of the elements in the tabernacle of David. In verse 5, he begins to remember what God has done and who he is. He says, you answer us with awesome deeds of righteousness. And he says that you formed the mountains by your power and you stilled the roaring seas and you stilled the turmoil in the nations. See, David begins to remember the things that God had done for him and who he was. If you turn over to Psalm 68, David needs God's help and he begins to call him down and say, I need you. May God arise and may his enemies be scattered. May his foes flee before him. And if you drop down into verse 4, sing to God, sing praise to his name. Extol him who rides on the clouds. His name is the Lord. And I looked up that word extol. And do you know, it really um, had a different meaning than I thought it did. It means to build up or to heap up a highway. So what I gathered from this is when we extol, when we praise the Lord with all of our might, we are building a highway for the king of kings to come in and ride. Remember Ann taught us last week that he comes in on his throne? He rides in on that throne on the highway that we have built with our praise and parks right in the middle of your situation. <laughs> Is that encouraging to you? Verse 7. When you went out before your people, O God, when you marched through the wasteland of the, the earth shook and the heavens poured down rain, you gave abundant showers, O God, and you refreshed your weary inheritance. Your people settled in it, and from your bounty, O God, you provided for the poor. See, each one of us is poor, and God says, you praise me, and I pour out the bounty of heaven in your life. Psalm 69, David was in distress at this time. And he says, save me, O God, for your waters have come up to my neck. I want you to listen to this because I think there's so many people in our church. It may be you tonight or it may be somebody that you know that feels exactly like David did in this scripture. Save me, O God from the waters that have come up to my neck, I sink in the miry depths where there is no foothold. Have you ever been like that where wave after wave after wave of the enemy has come against you and you can't even get up before it's knocked you down again? That's the place David was. I have come into the deep waters and the floods engulf me. I am worn out from calling for help. My throat is parched, Lord God. My eyes fail looking for you, my God. Have you ever been that desperate for the Lord? I got to have you, God. I got to have you. 
In Psalm 68, 19, he says, Praise be to the Lord, our God and our Savior, who daily bears our burdens. It's not every once in a while. It is daily I bear your burdens. Our God is a God who saves. From the sovereign Lord comes escape from death. I think one day in heaven, (laughs) he may just play us a little video when we get there, and we may see how many times we escaped death because we praised the Lord and we were in his presence and we were his daughter or his son. Can you just see the times that you were frustrated because you were stuck at home and you you were running late? Well, maybe God was saving you from a wreck that was on the highway that you would have been involved in and he just delayed you long enough to save your life. I've got a friend who was supposed to be in the World Trade Center the day that 9-11 happened, and he actually failed a test which caused him not to be able to go and be an insurance salesman, to be in the World Trade Center that day. Do you not think that God had a hand in keeping him safe so that he wouldn't be in the World Trade Center that day by allowing him to fail a test? God can use anything, the good times and the bad times. And I just think, You know, how many times have people, maybe they were just fixing to take that one more pill or that one more drink of alcohol, and by God's grace, they passed out so that they didn't overdose on drugs and alcohol. I think God saves our lives daily. Mm. I want us to turn over to Psalms 144. Praise be to the Lord, my rock, who trains my hands for war and my fingers for battle. I know Anne quoted this scripture last week. And to me, that kind of perplexes me. Does that to you? I mean, I can see train my hands for war, but why would you train your fingers for battle? I thought about David when he played the harp. He would go in And the demons would flee as David strummed that harp with his fingers. And remember Anne taught us that worship is a form of warfare? And I want to tell you an interesting fact I learned while I was studying. Do you know back in the Bible when they made those harps, what the strings were made out of? A lamb's intestines. So David was just strumming on Jesus and the demons were fleeing from his sight. Psalms 145, I exalt you, you, my God and my King. I will praise your name forever and ever. Every day I will praise you. I will extol your name forever and ever. Exalt means to lift him up to raise him above yourself. And extol in this scripture means to bless his name. We are to bless the name of God. So from these, can you see kind of what David's heart is? How in the good times and in the bad times, he praised and he worshiped God. It didn't just have to be when everything was rosy. 
He was in his presence no matter what was going on. Do you have that same hunger and thirst for the Lord? How desperate are you for him to be in your situation? Matthew 5, 6 says, Hunger and thirst after righteousness, and you shall be filled. What is righteousness in the Bible? Jesus. Jesus is our righteousness. And this is the word of God. It says, Hunger and thirst after righteousness. And it's a promise God will fill you up. Do y'all remember the story last week that Ann taught us? And I want you to flip here in 1 Samuel 30. And this was the story that she told us where David had come in with his 600 mighty men. Back, They had, had been out doing the Lord's work and they had been fighting battle after battle after battle. And every time they would come in, they would be victorious. This time they came back to their home base and all of their tents had been burned to the ground. Their women and their children had been stolen. And all of a sudden, all of the men that David loved, that they were his warriors, that they stood behind, beside him in battle, were so angry at him, they wanted to stone him. This was not a good day for David. And look in verse 6 what it says David did. But David found strength in his God. On this awful day, it says David found strength in his God. The next thing it says, David called the priest and he got him to bring the ephod and he inquired of the Lord, shall I pursue this raiding party? Will I overtake them? Pursue them, God says, and you will certainly overtake them and you will succeed in your rescue. What I want you to notice about this is the first thing that David did. It says, he strengthened himself in the Lord. See, he didn't go running off to some man or, or somebody else. Really, everybody's mad at him, so I guess he didn't have anybody to go to. But he, he strengthened himself in the Lord. And the reason I think he did this was... At, because I think he was knew he was about to walk in and ask God for something. And he needed faith to believe that God was going to answer his request. And he was so weak and so downtrodden at that moment that before he could even walk into God's presence and talk to him to make that petition, he had to strengthen his faith. And I think he did it just like he did every time he was in the Psalms. He went back to him and he said, I remember who you are. You are El Shaddai. You are the Holy One. You are the Most High. You are the Great I Am. You are my Deliverer. You are my Healer. And when he got his confidence built up, then he began to say, and you worked on my behalf when I was fighting the lion and the bear, and you worked on my behalf when I was fighting Goliath. I remember when you took me through that battle. And now his faith is built up, and he can walk in with confidence and say, God, I need you now. I need you to come on my behalf right now. But he had to strengthen himself in the Lord before he could get to that place. That's a good place to be, isn't it? Um, 
I may have even told y'all this story before, but I have a cute little friend named Emily. And Emily runs with me, and she's very petite and got long blonde hair. Well, one day, Emily, a couple of years ago, went to Eastdale Mall, and it was about sunset, and she was coming out of the mall, and these two girls came behind her and pushed her down in the parking lot and stole her purse. Well, Emily jumps up, and she started running after these girls. And she began to scream, and a man across the parking lot was walking into the mall with his girlfriend, and so he sees what's happening. So he starts running at the thieves from one side, and little Emily is running at the thieves from the other side. And all of a sudden, these girls drop her purse, and Emily picks up her purse and gets all her stuff back, and they jump in a car and ride off. And I got to thinking about this. You know, so many times that God will teach us a supernatural or a spiritual truth out of things in the natural And from that, I just thought, you know, the enemy has come into our church and we look like sweet little unassuming ladies. And he's come in and he's tried to steal our husbands and our children and our finances and our health. And when Satan comes in and he takes something that's yours, I want you to get up and you run. You run at him and you start yelling and I promise you heaven is going to meet you on the other side. And Satan is going to drop what's yours. And you know what? Not only that, if you go back to the story of David, they went and they pursued those raiding parties and they got back everything the enemy had stolen. And they got back more than what they had stolen. They took everything the enemy had stolen from anybody else and they walked back in to their camp with everything they had stolen for them and more. And when they got back, there were people that had hung back that were so battle-weary that they could not go forward with David and his men into that battle. They were so wounded and they were so tired. We got people sitting around us right now that are so wounded and they are so tired. They can't fight anymore. And they need us standing on their behalf. And we're going into the enemy's camp and we are taking back what he has stolen. And when we get back, we're going to share that bounty with the people that had to stay home. But not only did those people that stayed back here, that were his soldiers, get part of the loot, the people who they had been all over the country fighting battles and people that had helped them all around the nation, David goes back and rewards those people. You see, we're going to take back what he's stolen and we're going to be able to have enough left over to bless people around us in Jesus' name. I want you to go, we're going to kind of switch gears now, but we're going to go to Ephesians 2. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sin in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air. You were dead in your transgressions and your sins the way you used to live when you lived by your flesh. 
And then it says, and when you followed the ruler of the air. Who is the ruler of the air? Satan. And I want you to think about this. Sound travels in the airways. So there is a battle going on in the airways. What goes on? We, we hear TV over the airways. We hear radio, computers, phones, music. Our words are spoken out and carried on sound waves. They all travel by the airways, right? And all of these things can be used for good or for evil. How much music have you heard that you just, it, you just got to plug your ears? Or TV, or the things that are going on on our phones and on the internet. The airways can be used for good or for harm. And in Psalms 22, remember it tells us that God inhabits our praises. So what this is telling me, if there's a battle in the airways and our praises are what are filling up the airways and God rides in on that highway that we have built with our praise and parks his big old throne in the middle of our situation, the enemy has to flee at that point. He can't stay in the presence of a holy God. So now we can begin. The airways are clear and we can get this message that God has written for us before we even came to be in heaven. He can begin to speak that into our hearts and into our spirits because we don't have that confusion of the enemy blocking our airways. I learned an interesting fact. Um, at night, when the dew falls on the ground, you know, it, it, it waters the earth. And right before daybreak, the birds began to sing. And they have found out scientifically that when the birds began to sing, that the cells of the plants start to open up and they can take that water in and use it for nutrients. I think the same thing happens to our heart when we listen to praise music. When we begin to praise the Lord, it just opens up our heart. It softens the soil of our heart. And all of a sudden, we can hear from God like we have never been able to hear before. He's going to begin to plant seeds in that soft, fertile soil of your heart that can begin to grow up and take root and come out of the ground and bear fruit. And that's the purpose of our lives. So don't miss the worship time. Don't miss the praise and the worship at church. This is not a time to, to come in late and to go out and drink your coffee or to run to the bathroom. Make sure, make sure that you get there on time so that you can worship the King of Kings, so that it softens your heart so that you get the word. And this can be in your corporate worship where you get that word from your pastor or this can be in your own personal worship time every day. Just make time to, to praise him, to worship him. Get you some good music that you love and you just go to it in your little room or your closet wherever you are 
But don't miss that time because that's where it's going to soften your heart. Tonight we're going to close, and I think each of you got a little sheet. And I got you some closing instructions. Kimberly, do we have some music that we can put on back there? We're going to have a little altar time. Um, but the instructions on this, what I first want you to do in this big blank spot on this piece of paper is I want you to write your own praise letter or your own um, psalm to the Lord. And you're just going to take this and you can leave it on the altar if you want to. You know, the Word tells us that we no longer have to give a blood sacrifice, but we are now required to give a sacrifice of praise. So if you've never done this before, just write Jesus a letter and tell Him, I praise you, I thank you, I love you. In your own words, write your psalm. And then you're going to come to the altar and you're going to take a candle and remember in the menorah that this center branch represented Jesus. And so tonight what we're going to do is just ask the Holy Spirit to light a fire in you, to ignite a passion for who He is. This all may be real new to you and you might say, well, I don't know how to worship the Lord. Just say, Holy Spirit, ignite a fire in me. Give me a passion to worship you in spirit and in truth. You light your candle, and then I want you to come to the Ark of the Covenant, and we've got some little gold pens up here, and you just sign your name on this Ark. And what you're saying is from this day forward, I just want to write my name on here as a sign that I want to live my life from the presence of a most holy God. I want to get my marching instructions every day from the presence of God so that we can get those instructions downloaded to us from heaven daily. So um, just go ahead and write your, your psalm and then feel free to come to the altar.